for a film that is quite the rarity. Erwolf, the movie. I've gone straight into the commentary. The title card just came up because I'm under no illusions whatsoever that people actually watch the film while you're talking about these audio commentaries. Um, This is unusual, as I say, as we've discussed on the show many times before. A lot of American television shows were cut up, hacked together and released as theatrical movies in Europe and Asia and in the United Kingdom. And Erwolf was not released theatrically, as far as I know. I have seen... um, I think I've seen on the internet some people claim it was released theatrically, but I have never seen evidence of that with my own eyes. I've seen uh, Mission Galactic, The Silent Attack, and Buck Rogers in the cinema, so I know they did get theatrical releases, and I've seen print advertisements for Spider-Man, and The Incredible Hulk, so again, I'm aware that they got uh, theatrical releases. But Erwolf, I'm not sure. I think this was straight to video. What makes this one unusual, uh, in so much that, like, Battlestar Galactica and Butt Rogers were made with a view to being released theatrically to recoup some of the costs, I don't think that was ever the case with Erwolf the movie. But what happened was when this got released, it's got an 18 certificate. So the Blu-ray, which I am watching here, which um, I recently got off uh, Animum, An- Animal Amazon Marketplace for less than £4, which is why I bought it. And there you go, kicking in the feet, because it's Erwolf and it's absolutely awesome. Uh, was re-edited substantially to make it a standalone movie. And some scenes were changed, and some were cut out, and as with Galactica, I will attempt to um, point those out as we go through the film. The reason I'm not really too bothered about people watching this as we go is I don't know that this got an American release. I think this was purely a European release, but the Blu-ray is region-free. So if you can find it for dirt cheap like I did, it may be worth picking up. The pilot, this Erwolf of the movie, is actually um, a bit of a misnomer. It was, in fact, the pilot movie cut up and edited to be a standalone film with extra swearing dubbed in. Again, we'll point that out as we go. Because um, I'm assuming most of you will have not seen this movie version, I will probably do a little bit more in the way of describing the action on screen than I normally do. Uh, The credit sequence that we just had there was just three men in Erwell flight suits getting into the titular chopper, and it is now flying around Vasquez Rocks. And we can actually see Captain Kirk fighting the Gorn just over the way there. Eugene Roche here is the senator. Oh, boom, Mike! Eugene Roche here is the senator that uh, Michael Colesmith Briggs III, codenamed Archangel, is demonstrating Erwolf 2. Archangel at this point, played by Alex Cord, as he would be in the series, does not have his eye patch or is walking with a cane. That will come later. 
They've just explained that Erwolf was designed and built by Moffat, who is played by David Hemmings, British actor, quite a distinguished career. Seems to spend most of the 1980s appearing in um, the most unusual of places. He's in episodes of Magnum P.I., he's an old friend of Jonathan Higgins, he's, uh, he's in an episode of the A-Team as, um, in the Judgment Day episode as the uh, captain of a cruise liner. He directed a number of Bellasario projects as well, including episodes of Werewolf and the pilot episode for Quantum Leap. The opening to this is Erwolf essentially having just come off the production line, having been designed by Moffat, and they're just basically demonstrating everything it can do. That'll set the scene for you. Morella, though, played by Deborah Pratt. Deborah Pratt was married to Donald P. Bellasario the time this movie was made. She was also in a number of episodes of Magnum P.I. as TC's girlfriend. Uh, She's currently explaining how Erwolf works. Erwolf is a Mach 1 plus attack helicopter, as she's explaining. All of this backstory would never be mentioned again in the series that followed, because it kind of implies in this opening shot that... Erwolf needs three people to fly it. Now, as we'll find out as the series progresses, and indeed as this telemovie progresses, that's not actually true. It can be flown by a pilot as long as there is somebody in the back operating weapons, and when it goes to Mach 1, it needs to disengage the rotor, otherwise it would just snap off. Uh, One of the flight paths that that Moffat took is apparently identical to a flight path that Superman took when he's chasing the rockets in uh, Superman the movie. Don't know whether it's the same plate in the background or something, but... Love that sound effect. Love the sound Erwolf makes when it flies. That... Absolutely adore that. Uh, Donald P. Bellasario wrote and directed this telemovie. He would never again direct an episode of Erwolf. He would write a couple of future episodes, but uh, he didn't seem to have as much involvement with this show as he did in Magnum P.I. and Quantum Leap. And by the end of the second season, he would actually quit the series due to behind-the-scenes production problems. As we go through the show, I will point out some of the more used pieces of footage that were recycled throughout the series. Although Wolf was quite good at having at least some unique footage every episode. It wasn't a series that was built almost entirely out of stock until we got to the fourth season, which, you know, people like us don't care. That shot there of Erwolf banking over the desert is actually from later on in the movie, and not from uh, Vasquez Rocks at all. Sometimes I'm just going to shut up and let the score speak, because uh, I absolutely adore the score for this film, and the series generally. Sylvester Levy's theme is damned good, as you know from, if you listen to my top telly themes moment. Uh, the Russian guy there, or the guy pretending to be Russian with the Russian armament, uh, said holy shit, which he does not say in the television version. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the, the theme is brilliant, obviously, but all of the score to this movie is utterly fantastic. Sylvester Levy's Moffat's theme is great, and Gabrielle's theme is great, and the Serenade the Eagle music is fantastic. So far, we've not really been given any indication as to what's going on in terms of plot. A lot of this footage would be recycled for later episodes, the shots of Erwolf avoiding the Russian... well, they're not MiGs, the Russian helicopters... Anyway, going back to what I was saying, we would later learn that you only need two pilots to fly Erwolf, which is fortunate. Open a credit shot, take a drink. 
because oh Papa Sunburst that would become very well used footage as the series went on uh, my copy of this used to be a copy of an ex-rental version of the video cassette which is why I'm more familiar with this version than the actual TV version it was quite a surprise when the show got re-aired in 1995 it got a network rerun on ITV in 1995 it was quite a surprise to watch the pilot film as was and suddenly see tons of scenes in it that uh, weren't in this which is what I had on video Morella's explanation about Erwolf goes on for a little bit longer in the pilot film and obviously all the changes we'll discuss as we go through uh, Belisario's direction it's, it's good you know I don't think he really became one of television's premier directors although all of these aerial shots of Erwolf are fantastic but they may have been you know they may have been shot by second unit what's interesting here is they're the setting up the rules of the show in this opening and for the most part certainly for the first season or so the series would be very good at following those rules that's an explosion from later on in the, in the film uh, they've just established that the ADF pod that drops from underneath Erwolf and uh, fires the cannons they've just established opening credit shot take a drink they've just established that the ADF pod cannot be deployed uh, uh, below 300 feet again a rule they would follow the, the rules about having to have somebody engage the turbos in the back seat so the pilot can fully focus on doing that would also be followed for the most part until they needed to completely uh, disregard it for a future storyline uh, Moffat here has business with the senator Senator Dietz played as I said by Eugene Roche it's kind of like Han Solo and, and Lando Calrissian, isn't it? It was a long time ago. I'm, uh, I'm sure that you uh, forgive me. Not really. Uh, of course, Moffat turns out to be the bad guy because he's played by a British actor. I mean, no, no big deal is made of that throughout the series, to be fair. It's, they never make any reference to the fact he's English because you do have to beg the question, how is this British guy working on a top-secret CIA project developing a military helicopter? Anyway, Moffat has um, turned on uh, the CIA here, the firm, and he's blowing the crap out of the base. Archangel has managed to pull Morella out of the back, although he's still suffering heavy fire, but he's not in the primary line of fire. It's left to the audience to assume that Morella is killed here. Um, she's not in... Oh, no, she gets mentioned later on as being in the hospital. She would be... Moffat's theme. Love those uh, those helmets with the black eye pieces that come down. I've said many times I consider this to be a superhero ship. They have suits, the flight suits. They have masks, the helmets with the black visors. They have secret identities. Nobody knows that Hawk has Erwolf. So, and he keeps it hidden in a lure in the middle of nowhere. This is a, a beautiful piece of music. Uh, Hawk, in his cabin, Hawk here played, of course, by Jan Michael Vincent, sat uh, by the lake that surrounds his cabin, playing to an eagle that flies around him, trying to get him to come close and be trusted, as he will explain to Gabrielle later on. For a long time, viewers of the, of the film 
of the show thought that this was an actual classical piece of music, but it uh, turns out, no, it was composed by Sylvester Levi for the film. It would be reused a couple of times throughout the series, but as the series progressed and was made better by the network, yes, I did use inverted commas there, the less audience-friendly portions of the uh, the character would be played down. The fact that Stringfellow Hawk is uh, a Vietnam vet who just has turned his back on society is essentially the premise here. He wants nothing to do with people. He's got no interest in uh, being friends with anyone or associating with anyone apart from Dominic, who we'll, again we'll meet in a bit. In uh, this, watching the pilot film, yeah, it's... Um, it's quite sad to note the deterioration physically of Jan Michael Vincent throughout the course of the series due to whatever personal problems that he was he was going through at the time. Apparently the cabin is um, is on a set while it's all this helicopter footage is actually on location, so they do a good job of blending the two together. Morella is not with Archangel. Here we are introduced to Gabrielle, played by Belinda Bauer. It's a very nice location, wherever it is that they filmed the cabin exteriors. Not even this. Archangel now has his Nick Fury eye patch. Obviously, an injury has sustained when Moffat stole Erwolf. This is now three months later. Uh, a little caption has been on and told us. We're now on a set. I think you can tell that it's a set. Hawk's interior was obviously a sound stage. Somewhat. There's little clues. He's got a Van Gogh on the wall. There's little clues in the set dressing, which is uh, absolutely fantastic as to the character of Stringfellow Hawk. A lot of this. He's a completely different character to Belisario's other Vietnam vet hero, Thomas Magnum. Magnum's gregarious and outgoing. He's not defined by what happened to him in Nam. It doesn't let him ruin his life. Hawk on the other side of the coin is a damaged Vietnam vet. He's lost everyone in his life that he ever cared for, which will be explained as we go through. His parents are dead. His brother is missing in now. His girlfriend is dead. He believes that he's jinxed, and that's why he's removed himself from society. It was never really... I love that line, hindsight's a wonderful gift, Mr. Hawk. The minute we go in... Gabrielle's puncturing in Hawk's pomposity. You scared the eagle. I've got a drink. I do apologise. The thing we're doing commentaries is you can't um, cut stuff out. So I will be serping at um, a cherry Coke Zero. I don't know whether that means it's got low calories or not. I don't know. Uh, as I said, Hawk's cabin is filled with pictures showing that he's not a man who is totally removed from society. He's obviously someone who values family. He's also got a lot of expensive art on the walls. We also establish his dog, Tet, which is a subtle name. Uh, There we go, we're setting up Gabrielle likes Hawk already because he's infuriating. You can see where this is going to go. He's a vegetarian and he lives off the fish that he catches in the lake around where he lives. Um, Erwolf has been taken to Libya to a fictional 
man named Kadafe. Moffat obviously arranged to have Erwulf stolen beforehand. We already see here that Moffat's a sadist in this scene. He is shooting at a man in the swimming pool holding a penny uh, in his hand and he's trying to shoot the penny out of the man's hand. With Moffat's sadism will be played up throughout the thing. He manages to shoot the penny. He says shit. He does not say that in the uh, television version. So far the dubbing hasn't been awful, but that's what leads me to think this wasn't designed as a as Meatloaf wants to uh, as a theatrical release. I'm sure had they thought of releasing this theatrically or straight to video with the swearing intact, they would have shot it both ways. As I understand they did in... Um, Back to the Future. W.K. Stratton is a standard Bellasario guest star. He's uh, the guy who's gone on the run with uh, with Moffat. He's a lot more nice than Moffat. He was a little bit upset, though, that Moffat's just shooting at that guy for no reason. Moffat's now dressed like an Arab. Long black flowing robes, as has just been pointed out. Just a, a note why we've got a little bit of a lull here, where the action is unfolding. The flight helmets, the mouthpiece of the flight helmets, was actually made out of little bits of the old Atat Walker model kits, proving that, that Star Wars gets everywhere. See, sometimes when you do commentaries, you do get kind of engrossed in what you're watching Gaddafi oh setting up here the uh, again the limitations for Erwolf that bullets can go into the intake valves and, and not affect the chopper which is obviously bulletproof Moffat is now going to point out that the nozzle on the front, the airtake valve on the front, if you get a bullet right down that nozzle, the chopper will explode. He's going to put his gun... There you go, the mid-air refueling intake. And you get... I mean, it's a very small target, right outside the exhaust port, right down the main shaft. Moffat's now going to play Russian roulette with blowing up Erwolf proving that he's quite insane especially seeing as this close to it they'd both die as well which causes uh, the military colonel from Libya there to have a bit of a panic actually no I'm just quite bored Hemmings is actually really good in this Uh, the Erwolf themes page run by Mark Carnes has reviewed this episode and said it's called him slimy he's a very good slimy bad guy Hemmings is a very good actor um, if you've ever seen him in other stuff. I don't know what his career went when he went to America, but he was in Blow Up in the 60s and, and very good. Hawks, Erwolf, Hawks, Erwolf, Hawks, Dog, Tet, looks up Gabrielle's skirt. I don't know how he's taught it to do that if he doesn't have any people around. Once you land in Tripoli, 
See, the reason they need to go to Stringfellow Hawk here, Hawk is the only other person who can apparently fly Erwulf. Exactly how this came about is never actually explained in the series. It's presumably Erwulf has been on the drawing board for a significant amount of time, but Hawk's brother's been MIA since 1972, which was 11 years before this was filmed. So how Hawk ended up working for the CIA with Erwulf and then just quit, we don't know. Opening credit shot of Alex Code, take a drink. That's serious. In fact, I will take a drink. The MIA missing in action status of a number of American soldiers was a real thing. And uh, it was something that Belisario was very keen on bringing to the public attention. Hawk, like Thomas Magnum, was a bracelet on his wrist, which I think is an MIA bracelet. Now, presumably, Hawk wore it for his brother, whom Thomas Magnum wore it for, was never explained, but it's logical to assume he had people that he missed. Yeah. Tet goes upstairs. A lot of world building. Now in the television movie, though, she says, I don't think he's going to do it. So, a bit of dubbing went on there. Gabrielle's theme, again, by Sylvester Levy, uh, is lovely. A lot of the soundtrack to this is very synthesised which is not normally my thing but there is some orchestral stuff mixed in with it Levi wasn't just delivering a synthesised score I don't think that this was the first television show to have a synthesiser score although off the top of my head I can't think of another but I think it was one of the first to have such a memorable synthesised score and after this, after the success of Erwulf, you would get Street Hawk, which essentially was just a clone of this show, but about a motorbike, which would also have a synthesised score by uh, Tangerine Dream, which was also very good, not as good as Erwulf. Knight Rider, I don't remember, was Knight Rider score synthesised? Somebody who knows music better than me would be able to say. I am intrigued as to why Hawk, not Hawk, Archangel sleeps fully clothed. And Gabrielle's sleeping naked. So, I don't know why that would be, other than to have this scene where Hawk and Gabrielle confront each other with nothing on. Although that's more implied than, than anything else. So there's a suggestion here that String comes from money if he's got all this collection of art which makes him, if not independently wealthy then at least comfortable which explains why he doesn't have to have a proper job. Now she thinks he's going to rape him here. The treatment of women in some, some of this is a little bit, what's it? The idea that 
Archangel's brought her here to screw him to get him to take the mission. Archangel's this line is not in the television version, obviously. In the TV movie, in the TV version, he says you're here to sweeten the deal, which is a, a subtler line, to be honest. And the lip flap, though, because they're both in profile, makes it quite obvious that he's not saying you're here to fuck me. So, you know, I don't know why they felt the need to, to put the swearing in it, to be honest, especially seeing as it's dubbed. And calling her a whore's not exactly nice. Um, I don't know. Too late. I don't know, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with how he treats Gabrielle. I mean, it's obviously playing with the idea that he's a damaged individual. And the, the actors both play it well, so... He's a very Marvel Comics hero, Stringfellow Hawk. He's a loner, he's... Not got many friends. He believes himself to be cursed. It's very Peter Parker. And there he kind of softens a bit. So, you know. Alright, we'll give you a little bit of a pass to that string. Some Erwolf action. Now, um, one of the best things about watching Erwolf is to actually spot the many, many, many continuity errors. They have established that the weaponry has to be loosed, otherwise it's just a normal everyday helicopter. The opening establishing shot with the shot we saw the Erwolf had the weapons deployed, it now has no weapons deployed. This scene if memory serves, is different in the television movie. And there's a couple of changes in the Moffat goes blowing up the enemies of Gaddafi scenes. And see there, we saw the ADF pod being deployed. We did not see the chain guns be deployed. They would only refer to them as chain guns in the first season. Apparently, so the story goes, Universal and or Bellasterio or somebody else didn't know chain guns is a copyright term. They just thought it was a generic term for the weapons. Um, after they received the cease and desist letter, they did never refer to them as chain guns in the in the second season onwards. So all references to chain guns are only in the pilot and the, uh, the TV series. All this footage goes, Erwolf though does not have any weapons deployed, though Erwolf has its weapons deployed. But that's, for me, that's part of the fun of watching television of this era. I mean, all of the footage of Erwolf destroying the the Russian planes is stock, quite clearly, because the footage goes very grainy when it cuts to that Sunburst stock footage that we've already seen. That was a shot of her flying over the desert when they were over the sea. So all this in chat and uh, the Erwulf doesn't have its weapons deployed again. So throughout that, in that one scene there was any number of occasions we go weapons, not weapons, weapons, not weapons, weapons, not weapons. The CIA are basically telling Archangel, 
to tell Hawk that they've found his brother, which is the reason that uh, he will go after Erwolf if they find his brother. Oh, there's a line, then bring me his body, which may be from later on. May not have been from that because obviously I'm talking through it, so I wasn't paying attention. Opening credit shot of Alex Cord, take a drink. I'm not going to alcoholic drink, because uh, as is the norm with most um, American television shows, most of the footage for at least the first season of a show tends to come from the pilot, because that's the, the one finished piece of film that they have when they're cutting the credits together. So only as we get later on in the series, we tend to have shots from all over. So um, you can actually get drunk watching pilot episodes of television shows if you play this game, which I like to play. I play this all the time. Archangel here explains Hawk's backstory. Always love watching actors pretend to eat on television. Um, Archangel's made himself a, a plate full of eggs. And he's sat down and he just keeps spooning it around, spooning it around, and he'll pick up the spoon, put it to his mouth, but then he doesn't actually eat. And he'll put it back. I can't believe that the fact that Archangel bears such a striking resemblance to Nick Fury is a coincidence. Alex Cord was in Gene Roddenberry's pilot for, uh, I think it was Planet Earth. Was it called Planet Earth? I don't know who I'm asking because there's nobody else here apart from the cat. Hey, cat, Meg, was it Planet Earth? Yes, it was. So the cat's acknowledging that because uh, it was the Quester tapes was John Saxon, wasn't it? Am I mixing up my Roddenberry pilots? Shot there of uh, Hawk, Santini and Sinjin. Sinjin Hawk is, of course, Stringfellow's brother. That is not the actor that will ultimately play Sinjin. In fact, a number of actors play Sinjin. We see here, we are introduced. Here we go. Doesn't say asshole. I do wonder how much of this was based on Bellasurio's experiences. Santini, played by. Dominic Santini, sorry, played by the magnificent Ernest Borgnine, runs Santini Ur. Uh, and part of his remit is to lend choppers out to television productions and we're on a back lot here John Calvin is playing Blaze a very egotistical actor Santini Borgnine's brilliantly hammy in a great way because he, he's complimenting the fact that yeah Michael Vincent's quite low key and he's throwing a big strop about being not allowed to do his own stunts while the press are there. And Hawk has been uh, backing him, which means Hawk has been actually doing the flying. My Blaze, as Santini just explained, I should have just shut up. Blaze is throwing a, a typical film star tantrum. That line is obviously not in the uh, television version. There was no lip flap there, though, because Blaze has got his back to us. So... Yeah, Michael Vincent had quite a good career at this point, and he was one of the first television stars to come from cinema, to cross over into cinema. As such, he was one of the highest paid actors on television. 
at this time he'd done uh, Big Wednesday with William Catt and Gary Busey which is a um, cult 70s surfing movie which I've never seen never seen Big Wednesday he was in Hooper with Burt Reynolds which is a great film about uh, a couple of stuntmen and he was in The Mechanic as a young hitman with Charles Bronson so his, his star was on the ascendancy he'd done and then I think he had his, his problems with I think it was alcohol more than drugs judging by uh, fucking A that's not in the television version obviously uh, more than drugs that shot though didn't look like either Jan Michael Vincent or John Calvin in the helicopter um, Calvin's character Blaze thinks that he can fly this is actually quite a funny scene and because they are supposed to be filming a television series or film they don't make any effort to hide that it's a bat lot and uh, that's quite a funny scene humorous left pedal not enough left pedal I mean all of this is just setting up Dom and that strings a bit of a hard ass and I'll let you watch it if you are watching it which I doubt the helicopter footage here actually looks a little bit speeded up it is a bit one of the things I am amazed about is how good they are at set dressing in, the, in a film or a television show this wouldn't look like a bat lot but here because they want you to know it's a bat lot it doesn't look real it looks like what it is which is a facade a bunch of facias and, and nothing else one of the things Erwolf did excel at was that, I mean, that helicopter almost did a loop the loop some good stunt flying well, that's what I was just going to say one of the things Erwolf excelled at was its aerial photography which was pretty exceptional for the time that this was made and very expensive Erwolf was one of the most expensive movies uh, television series on the air at the time that it was made simply because of the aerial footage I think I read somewhere one hour of aerial footage cost somewhere in the reason of $50,000 at the time that this was on the air so it probably cost a little bit more than that now oh hockey rogue He doesn't like us very much, String. We don't like him either. That shot of the Santino helicopter, you could see the shadow of the helicopter that's filming the helicopter. In the television version, though, he doesn't say no a helicopter. He says nothing that easy. Which is actually a funnier line. Um, it does leave it open to interpretation as to whether or not Santini knows about Erwolf at this point. Whether Hawk was sworn to secrecy about what he was doing with the CIA in regards to Erwolf. One of the things I did like about the the series, I like the flight suits. The flight suits are exceptional. The um, Erwolf was designed by Andy Probert, who worked on Star Trek: The Motion Picture. 
he also designed some of the elements of the piece of footage there. There's only one pilot, whereas in the actual chopper at the moment there are two pilots and one person in the back. Uh, as I was saying, Andy Probert designed Erwolf uh, and the helmets, as well as the logo that the flight crew were on their arms. The logo is one of the best designed logos of any television show ever. It is a wolf, but if you look very carefully at it, there is a sheep's head uh, at the top of the wolf, signifying the wolf in sheep's clothing, which is a wolf. When the weapons are not deployed, it is just a helicopter. It's an impressive looking helicopter. It's a very stylish helicopter, a very big helicopter. Open a credit shot, take a drink. But it's just a helicopter. But the minute that the weapons are deployed, it's a very dangerous helicopter. Its uh, weapons are not deployed in that shot, despite the fact that it just blew something up. This is Moffat's theme that's playing in the background here. Um, excellent shot there of Erwolf flying over the explosions. It's interesting that they do change the helmets depending on the actors that are wearing them. David Hemmings must have quite a big head because he doesn't have the foam around the sides of his head that Stringfellow Hawk has. So they do accommodate the helmets to the actor that's wearing them. Because the, you would have the problem that, as you, you see if you watch Top Gear, whenever the presenters of Top Gear are doing something where they have to wear crash helmets, it squashes their face. Which, opening credit shot, take a drink. Which they obviously don't want to do to the lead actor in the television show. Hawks just returned home to find all of his art missing. So the CIA are playing a hardball to get him to go and get Erwolf back. They don't know he's taking Dominic with him. Do, 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 do. I made myself a soundtrack to this film by holding a cassette recorder microphone. To, oh, they've not took his, his cello, which is nice. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, by holding a microphone to the speaker and I made myself a soundtrack to this film, which is probably why I know so many of the lines of dialogue. In exchange for Sinjin. They offered him five million dollars to go and retrieve Erwolf. Concerned, you won't take the mission till they have something tangible. They can't wait. You're the only man besides Moffat who's flown Airwolf. You're the only one who had the chance to get it back. Why didn't Archangels do it to me himself? There's an episode in the third season called Airwolf Two that will establish that there was one other pilot who flew Airwolf, but he was considered unhinged and insane, played by Wings Hauser. How he was considered insane next to Moffat. uh, I don't know how they got to that conclusion. He was quite mad. That's one of the best episodes of the show because it's just Erwolf versus Erwolf. There is another Erwolf in that episode. Um, Well worth watching just because some of the aerial footage is pretty damned exceptional. Good. (laughs) Did Tep put up a fight? No. Which is a good line. I don't know if Sylvester Lever composed this. What we're seeing here is uh, the Libyan stronghold again and a, a female dancer wearing very little, or as little as television in 1983 would allow her to wear. I don't think they were allowed to wear that little in Libya, but, you know, whatever. Moffat has his eye on the lady. this song as being a, a contemporary pop tune of the time. 
body like this would wither and die in a matter of hours. After a few hours with such a body, what would it matter? They actually do quite a good job of establishing the villainy of Moffat in this pilot, despite the fact he has very few scenes with Hawk, and that's it for his scenes with Archangel. And even then, they never meet face to face. It's stuff to the, the Wrath of Khan. They've already set this up earlier on in the dialogue. Um, Archangel told Hawk that when he arrives in Libya, there will be a contact. The, to help him, the contact that he was referring to is this dancer who is undercover, but obviously her cover has been blown. Dialogue had to be changed though, because the scene where they attack the French fighters in Chad was not in the television version. I completely different scene, I can't even remember what it is now. He does do something, but it's not quite as... He doesn't kill quite as many people, I don't think. I think he blows up one fighter jet as opposed to a fleet of them. Um, I think that this, this version shows what Erwolf can do better. But, um, they make the decisions when they recut these for director video releases and, and such, don't they? job of editing it so you don't know where the commercials would have been. There you go. They're talking about the contact. establishing Hawk's character that he's fishing for his own food he very much lives off the land he also doesn't wear socks I've just noticed <laughs> he's got pants and shoes on but he's not wearing any socks yeah nice big fish so Gabrielle's one of those people who doesn't actually like seeing the food that she eats This is a good scene. So she kind of thinks that he's going to put it back just because she asks him to. And the next scene we cut to here, it's him mopping up his plate, having just finished eating the fish. (laughs) Although it looks more like chicken than fish. It was a fish, dude. I think I understand. Do you? Yeah, you just like eat ugly fish. I don't know, maybe that's it. They're like soul. Soul's two eyes on one side of his head, and there's an ugly fish. Yeah, like soul. And pig, I mean, that's not one of God's most beautiful creatures, but
cute, cuddly little lamb. That's funny. Because, again, Bella Sarah is very good at emphasising character. <laughs> she doesn't say asshole in the TV version. And now the dog starts sniffing up her skirt again. I don't know, I would rather get the dog to do that. At this establishing hawk does have a sense of humour. It does look more like chicken than it does fish. But, alright, whatever. More airwolf action! Again, it's over the sea. A lot of the airwolf flying footage for the series tended to take place over deserts, rocky terrain areas like Vasquez Rocks and the sea, largely because I think... Is it the FCC, the flying people? Anyway, the FCC would not let them fly the chopper overpopulated areas with the guns deployed even though they were fake they wouldn't let them do it uh, because they were afraid that it may trigger off um, alarms so that's where a lot of the old footage took place over the water in the desert it also meant they could use lots of um, stock footage just if it's over the water or over the desert they can use it whenever they want uh, Moffat's crossing a line here because the two people that he works with are obviously Americans and he's going to blow up an American um, aircraft carrier the weapons are not deployed in that shot despite the fact he's just asked for them to be deployed and indeed just fired an ADF pass, uh, cannon so stock footage from Run Silent Run Deep I think of the uh, aircraft carrier crew rushing to action now see you've got to wonder what was the reason for these two people agreeing to go with Moffat how much are these people being paid to turn their back and go to live in now we you know we never find out what happens to these two obviously we'll find out what happens to Moffat as the, the film progresses the eagle that Hawk is serenaded would be seen quite a few times. Again, mainly only over the first season, the second season. Oh, the cat's going batshit crazy with a, a Nerf pellet. As the series carried on, the network asked that the cabin be toned down and that Hawk be made more sociable and so all the character building that Bellasario put into the pilot and the first season of the show was chucked out the window in the quest for higher ratings. A little fish just jumped up in the background there. So that was a nice touch. Uh, it is telling because you never actually see the cabin in these exterior shots. It's always shot from the point of view of being on the jetty where the helicopter lands and looking out into the water. Apparently Jan Michael Vincent's soaping of the bow which is fake, faking that you play the cello, is not very good. But uh, as someone who doesn't play the cello, I never noticed. So I would have to take people. Oh, do you think the subtext to this scene where he's talking about telling the eagle that she can get close and not to be afraid? Oh, right, yeah, okay. So they've already fallen for each other. That was quick. So we don't know how long over what period of time this takes place. It could be a couple of I mean it's been three months since Moffat stole her wolf, or it could be a week, maybe two, of Gabrielle just, you know, trying to get him to do what they want. Ted doesn't look impressed. 
which is nice. That is a lovely place. I'll have to have a look on the Airwolf Themes website. I'm pretty sure they'll know where it was filmed. Tet is sat on the helicopter landing pad, so Santini can't land. I'm always impressed by how they do that. I'm presuming that the camera angle is underneath the helicopter and we're seeing Ernest Borgnine actually sat in the helicopter. So I'm presuming there is another person in the co-pilot seat actually flying, backing Ernest Borgner, I presume. In fact, I think you could see somebody in that shot, but obviously I can't rewind it and look at it. I'm playing with the cat. Oh, Gabrielle spent the night. Dominic's a sexist. I, I, like, uh, I like the sexist the way God intended. Uh, I do know that the, the cabin was used as stock footage in an episode of Quantum Leap called Her Charm. Well, I guess I'm old-fashioned, but, uh, well, that's my privilege, right? Right. So long as you got some red meat in there. Oh, and you got steaks and chops and, and burgers and all of it. <laughs> well, Chuck and I end up eating most of them, but uh, we keep hoping. Bless your heart. I haven't had anything but vegetables for six days. Oh, so it's just, there you go. So it's been at least a week. I don't recall if Hawk's vegetarianism was uh, ever mentioned again. The cat's going crazy, by the way, so if that's what you're hearing scratching in the background, she's having one of her mad half hours. Aren't you? Okay, see you later. Belisario's film. film. Little in joke. You want to fix dinner, you sexist pig? How's it for that? Um, if you feed Tet meat, why did he not have any in the cabin for six days? And does does Dominic regularly fly over there just to drop some groceries off? And does Dominic go there a lot just to eat if Tet and him end up eating most of it? Does Dominic live there? I don't think we ever find out where Dominic lives. But yeah. Possible. It's a big cabin. Right, there's a scene missing there, a five minute scene. Um, so in the film, this version of the film, it, it seems like they weren't lying to Gabrielle, they were going to fly for Belisarius' film. In the television version, that's where they go and find the lure in the Valley of the Gods. And it's a, a nice little four or a five minute character building scene where we learn that Santini essentially raised Hawk and Sinjin after the death of their parents and that Santini was friends with Hawk's dad in World War II. So the implication being that Hawk's dad was a pilot as well if Santini was a pilot. That seems missing from this because they obviously just want it to be a standalone movie and that scene doesn't make sense in the context of a standalone film. That is setting up 
that Hawk already has no intentions of giving Erwolf back. That Gabrielle cooked, I presume. Can you get to LA to Paris in 10? I presume you can. No. a moment where he punches Archangel for taking his art collection. Now that's a subplot that will not get paid off in this cut of the film. Hawk is now in Paris, France. Thanks to some stock footage. <laughs> Don't think they actually went to France. Don't think the budget probably stretched to it. Hello, cat. You calm down? No? Okay. That's an offer you're going to get every day. Take it off. We only have 16 minutes. My name is Michael Davis. I was briefed as Dr. Ted Berger. Dr. Berger was to go to work next Wednesday. The firm had to pick another man on this fight. As near as we can tell, Michael Derrick has never gone to school or worked with any of the other passengers. As near as we can tell. As near as you can tell? Ten hours is rather short notice, Mr. Hawk. Follow me, please. He's been working in a remote session of Argentina for five years, went to college in Australia. I don't think you'll run into anybody who knows him. I've had his background capsulize the story for me. Chapter 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. The, the... I told you, I only had 10 hours. She's uh, given his cover story in a hardback book and told him to read it, but it, it just looks like a normal book. That's quite okay. Of course he doesn't, but he wears a vest because he's like John McClane, so I suppose that makes perfect sense. Hi, right, hello. I'm doing an audio commentary. You want to join me? Oh, Wolf! Oh, okay. Michael's home! I thought I'd get this done before anyone else came in, but you know, such is life. Consider a cameo. Little more than a cameo. You don't think? Gabrielle, you can see where this is going now. Hawk's got a bruised fingernail. Oh, yeah, Michael Vincent has. I presume that wasn't stipulated in the script. It does seem a bit silly that they send in another operative from the same dance firm when they know that the other girl was an American agent. Although, to be fair, they don't know that the other dancer has been killed yet. They find that out later. of the look of Edward Woodward and probably would have been quite good as the equaliser but Edward Woodward sold that up yes he sounds like Edward Woodward as well opening credit shot take a drink oh no that one wasn't it sorry I do apologise it's later on when she's actually holding the ropes that are behind her 
shot, opening credit shot that will last through the rest of the series, only in the first season. Moffat's getting all hot and bothered over the dancing girl again. That well, that shot of her bending backwards though, that was uh, opening credit shot. Take a drink, which I will of my uh, my cherry zero Pepsi Coke, whatever it is. Women in bikinis. Got to slide some of them in though. Ah, the man in the white suit. Open credit shot. Take another drink. I don't think this is a Sylvester Lever composition of them smooching. This is probably why it was certificate 18. Oh, that's something I've not discussed. The BBFC passed this as 18. The Blu-ray release still has an 18 certificate on it, which implies that it's never been reclassified, which flies in the face of what I, th- I thought. Whenever you re-release something on a new medium, you had to resubmit it to the British Board of Film Classification for reclassification, obviously. But this still has an 18 on it. There's no way this is an 18, even with the added-in swearing. Doesn't really amount to much. She must have been very sweaty because Hawk's suit is now full covered in sweat stains. <laughs> They've just found out that the other dancer's dead. Which. That line looked like it was dubbed, so it was probably different in the TV version, but I don't actually remember what she said. That too was not in the television version. Now they know that the other dancer is dead, though. One would have thought they would send Gabrielle home. But they don't. Otherwise we've got no end of the film. Because I'm pretty sure that you're all ahead of me on what's going to happen to Gabrielle. Because if you've watched any significant... Well, by significant, I mean a single solitary episode of Werewolf, you will know that she is not a series regular. Oh, she says the two of you. So they must know that he's took Dominic with him. Unless that's just a flub. Because Archangel doesn't know Dominic's gone with him in a scene that we will discuss later on. Which you could argue, you know, she's an agent and she's just as entitled to be there as he is. But in this particular instance, they now know that Gaddafi's people here know that that dance firm are supplying them with American spies. So pulling her out would be the logical thing to do at this point. And Airwolf needs three pilots. There's no reason that she can't go with him. Oh, don't say that, Gabrielle! No, you're not. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Yeah, you will. In about 15 minutes, I would imagine. Hmm. Oh, Meg's back. Hello, cat. Now it's to talk about when they're hugging.
always come back to everyone. That's the problem. It's a much your dialogue, though. Actually, it's a nice little character bit. A lot of these backlots are familiar if you watch any American television in the 80s. Gaddafi's quarters have been, uh, been shot, uh, has been used in both in Erwolf numerous occasions and in the 18. And probably the $6 million man. Santini obviously made his own way to Libya under his own cover, although he's wearing a pilot's hat. They're supposed to be in Libya legitimately. I don't know why they're hiding, but you know, hiding behind the camels. keys in. Did they really used to do that? Just leave keys in cars? stories about his old man before. It's kind of been that great then because peanut butter's awful. Oh, right, so now we're kicking into the third act. Gabrielle has been taken in for questioning by Gaddafi, not Gaddafi. I like that subtle changing of the first letter so it makes it a completely different person. So why has Hawk gone in with an alias and she's gone in under her own name? I mean, obviously Stringfellow Hawk would be well known. Well, he's gone undercover as a dog. Alright, I suppose that makes sense, doesn't it? If you suddenly discover that uh, a Vietnam veteran and ace chopper pilot has come to Libya where Erwolf is hidden and String is already the only other man that can pilot Erwolf so presumably Moffat knows about him see there's an interesting backstory there that the series never explored how Hawk knew Moffat because he obviously does
Oops. Then I'd like to see someone who listened to reason. Oh, Perhaps yes. I can be of some help. USS Enterprise, aircraft carrier. This is stock footage, I presume. I doubt that they actually went to the actual USS Enterprise, judging by all the scratch marks all over the film. Herb Jefferson Jr., boomer from Battlestar Galactica, is the captain of the Enterprise. Your Phantom Jets. Lovely aeroplane, the Phantom. It's funny, isn't it? This, this hot sand, and yet you can, you can see the blue waters of the Mediterranean just a few miles away. Moffat has Gabrielle tied up to his jeep in the middle of the desert. He has obviously beaten her, judging by the scars and blemishes all over her. And he's pouring water on her face. I'm sure the television version has a bit more, though, regarding Moffat's sadism towards Gabrielle, but we don't really need to see it. I'm not a big fan of violence against women anyway. We're already establishing that these people are not the good guys by the fact that a police helicopter or a military helicopter from Libya has just shown up, seen what he's doing, and just left him to it. And it's a nice touch that that self-same helicopter flies over the truck that has Hawk and Santee in it. They are so close, and yet so far. Yep. This is the uh, compound that I was talking about, has been seen in many, many American television shows and films. I think it's in The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> That's a funny line. Santino breaking into Gaddafi's compound where they've been told that Erwolf is being kept. You do have to wonder how this this must be a TV way of breaking in. It can't be that easy to get into Gaddafi, Gaddafi, whatever, his compound in the middle of Libya or Tripoli. But, you know. See, this is one of my main problems. My only real problem with this pilot movie, other than, you know, some of his treatments of women is a little bit lacking. That how Hawk and Dominic steal her wolf back. He doesn't say shit in the television version. Is, uh, is a little bit easier. Especially seeing as 
it's there. You can see it from the road. So they're not doing any. They're not making any efforts to hide that they've got Erwolf. And Hawk and Santini here are just quite happily sneaking their way around. This is a good piece of music. This was normally used in the series to signify the lure when they would drive out through the Valley of the Gods. Opening credit shot. One of the stupidest edicts I heard in regards to this series was um, whenever they went to the Valley of the Gods in the first season, there were frequent shots of it being snowy. And apparently a network note was, we don't want to see snow. And you're like, what? So after the first season, you will never see uh, will fly through the Valley of the Gods through snow. On, unless it's, you know, footage in there. These lines are obviously dubbed, because he won't say that I in the uh, in the television version. He said Moffat has, uh, has that dancer from the Red Castle staked out to a sand dune somewhere, tortured. For what? She's nothing us. Oops. Well, she is to me. Now, I said earlier on we never found out what happens to those two. As we will learn, Hawk has no compunction about blowing people out of the sky. So, given that he was holding an Uzi, though, it is logical to assume, because he and Santini will leave now wearing the flight suits, it's logical to assume he kills them. Because that would be the best way of ensuring their silence. I presume... Santini was Moffat's flight suit given that they are men of similar bulk I doubt that uh, the other two WK Stratton is obviously quite tall and thin I doubt that the flight suits would fit Dominic uh, Santini Santini Moffat's now playing Russian roulette with Gabrielle and this is a good scene. This is quite a tense scene. Hawk and Santini have managed to procure the flight suits off of um, the two men who betrayed the firm and flew over to Libya with Moffat. It's a nice touch that obviously the names on the flight suits are not Hawk and Santini, because that would make perfect sense. You can tell later on in the series whenever they would use stock footage from the, the film. Because in the series that followed, the names will say Hawk and Santini, not Gordon and whoever Santini is. It's nice that the the Libyan agent here isn't stupid enough to just accept who these two are. And this is a good touch as well. The computers all only come on in Erwolf when Santini sits at down. When he stands back up, they go off. It's only when he's in the chair that the that they come on. Uh, he knows that you're not, Charles. Lift your visor. Started, he says. Lift your visor. See, this is a good touch as well. Dominic doesn't know where anything is. Dominic's never been in Erwolf. He can fly helicopters. Doesn't mean he can fly Erwolf. Open the credit shot. I've been pressing the start button. Lifting the visor. See this here. Where are all the guards? Alright, they just come out now. So we finally get in some action. Hawk's just blowing these Libyans away. So, like I say, it's logical to assume that he just killed Gordon and the other one, whose name I've forgotten. Now, in reality, it's my understanding that a helicopter can take anywhere between 7 and 15 minutes 
from starting the rotors and the engine to actually taking off. It's logical to assume Werewolf can do it a little bit quicker, and to be fair, it's not taking off yet. Hawk is having to tell Dominic where everything is. Where the chain guns are, where the ADF pod is. They do steal it back remarkably simply. But, you know. And at this point, it becomes a revenge movie. It becomes a revenge fantasy. Hawk's just blowing the crap out of the Libyans. And he's quite clearly killing them all. There's no uh, footage from later on in the film, though, that close for Jan Michael Vincent. There's no shooting the ground in front of them A-team style. I mean, it's it's typical television of the time. It's a very bloodless death. Oh, tank. Erwulf versus the tank. By the time we get to the uh, end of the series, Erwulf will have taken on everything that flies, drives, or crawls. Some nice shots of, uh, of the helicopter. Santini's a little bit disturbed by what he's seen. Hawk doesn't seem awfully concerned. Nice shots of Erwulf taken off. I do think it is one. It's a much better looking helicopter than Blue Thunder. It dawns on me we've got um, this far through this discussion, this commentary, whatever you want to call it, and not mention Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder was a 1982 film by directed by John Baden. Rockin' O'Bannon, who wrote Alien and Farscape, wrote it. He claims that Baden butchered his, uh, his script for Blue Thunder. But I didn't think Blue Thunder was as entertaining as this to be honest with you. The Blue Thunder movie has moments, largely because Roy Scheider and um, Malcolm McDowell's in it. Moffat's just seen that Erwolf is now no longer under his control. But the series that followed was just anodyne. The series that followed was bland, populist, and I don't use that as a, a bad term, but it was bland, uninteresting pablum. There was very little characterization, very little of interest. None of the, the, the work that Bellasura put in. And the helicopter just wasn't as cool as Erwolf. The description of Blue Thunder was it looked like a black, deadly wasp. Uh, why are there two pilots in the front of Erwolf when there should only be one? There should only be Stringfellow Hawk. He wasn't on that side when they took off. He was um, on the right-hand side. He just got out of the left side of the chopper. So that doesn't make sense. They found Gabrielle's body just dumped in the desert. Now, if you think he's going to get her into the helicopter and then take her back to America and have her live, you've never watched any American television. Because she's obviously going to die. I do like that um, in true Batman 60s TV fashion, Erwolf is written on everything. Erwolf is written on the, the patches on the arms of the flight suits. The water canister that Santini has just brought for Gabrielle, it's got Erwolf written on it in the font of the television show. So I, I like that uh, the Batman TV show lives on in spirit. Now, this line here, she wants to see the eagle. She wants to see him bring the eagle close and, uh, and have it trust him. It has no payoff in this direct to video DVD theatrical whatever it was version of the film I'll mention that when we get there Gabrielle's theme kicks in she promised me god damn it I don't think the god damn it was in the television version I've always wondered what Hawk does 
with Gabrielle's body, does he just leave it here? Does he carry it back to Erwolf and carry it back with them? At this point, we kick in. Here's the scene. Hawk is now pissed off, and because it's the desert, Moffat has left quite clearly visible tracks from his jeep. And we're kicking in to the theme. That doesn't look like David Hemmings driving the jeep, though. We'll uh, mention some funny... Erwolf uh, weapons are deployed in that shot. Now, it makes sense that he would have the weapons deployed here, because he's just going to go after Moffat. Open a credit shot, take a drink. This is one of the best shot sequences in the movie. Um, Gaddafi's men have launched all of the weaponry that Santini mentioned earlier on uh, against Erwolf to bring it down. Presumably they have been told how to destroy her. Hawk, quite happily, quite casually, starts blowing them all to hell. Because this is how Erwolf ended every single week. Hawk blew shit up. And that's what's cool about it. Some lovely aerial photography again. I don't know where the film is. It's over the desert. So, Mojave, could be. Erwolf's weapons were not deployed in that shot. Love the sound effects of Erwolf. Absolutely brilliant. Hawk is now sat on the left-hand side, as opposed to the right. As the helicopter was looking at me, obviously. They've whipped out tanks, anti-aircraft missiles. None of which is going to bring her down. Frequently referred to by Dominic Santini as the lady. I titled this track The Lady in Flight on my little notes when I made my own soundtrack for it when I was a kid. Erwolf has just ex- uh, flew through a barrage of explosions. He's now covered in dust, is very filthy, and in this shot, is suddenly nice and clean again. <laughs> so obviously they stopped. Give her a dusting and a polishing and a waxing, and then carried on. Uh, opening credit shot. Jan Michael Vincent gets to do his acting here that just largely convinces of him squinting a lot because he's not really required to do anything else. This is the big action beat. A lot of actors have talked about how the action scenes are always boring to film, especially when you consider Vincent won't have even been in the helicopter for these scenes. This could have all been shot by second unit. Giving the turbos down. Oh, you see a camera hood though. Lots of shots, sort of reaction shots of uh, Hawk and Santini doing expressive eye acting. Because that's the only visible part of them when they've got the flight helmets on. And we get a glorious fake out. Missile is tracked onto the heat signature. Erwolf ducks behind a sand dune and boom. And it looks like the Libyans have won. And Erwolf has been destroyed. And the credits roll and the bad guys win. And uh, I, I said that, the, that this was nihilistic. Ah, I'm kidding. Moffat has just witnessed Erwolf being destroyed. He seems to believe it to be so. By his smiling. The explosion that Moffat witnessed was a good few miles behind him. Somehow... Hawk has managed to get Erwolf to rise from behind a sand dune 
in front of Moffat. How the hell he managed to do that is quite impressive because, you know, obviously Erwolf has not been destroyed and Stringfellow Hawk is not dead. We get a close-up of the refueling intake valve that we set up earlier on in the film. We have already established earlier on in the film that uh, Moffat is a crack shot. He has pulled out his revolver and he is trying to get a bullet down the intake valve. Presumably Hawk, as someone who was in on the development of Erwolf, is aware that that uh, is its weak point. And we've got a, a bit of a cowboy standoff moment where they both squint at each other and now Hawk is just blowing into hell. I think he's already dead, but Hawk continues to blow him up, firing everything they've got until the ADF pod and the cannons are just empty. And he's still pressing the button. And that's a good piece of acting from Jan Michael Vincent. He's very in the moment, though. He's dazed. He's not even concentrating on what he's doing. Like I said, I do wonder where they put Gabrielle's body. Erwolf flies over what's left of Moffat's Jeep, which is just a burning tyre. It would have been nice if there'd been a skeleton or something, though. We could see that Moffat was dead. Moffat will return in an episode called Moffat's Ghost in season two. This shot here of Erwolf flying over the sea and into the sunset is stolen from another episode entitled Mad Over Miami. In the television movie... This is the end of the direct-to-DVD version, flying into the sunset. In the television movie, there is another five minutes. The Erwolf just disappears from radar, as reported by Herb Jefferson Jr. And we then get a five-minute scene at the end where Archangel goes to the cabin and Hawk tells him that Erwolf is hidden, or you'll never find it until you bring me my brother. Archangel says, well, that's perfectly okay anyway, because the president thinks that Erwolf is now a political hot potato and won't let me use it. It would just be mothballed. So I will look for your brother in exchange for you flying Erwolf on missions of interest to the firm. That's how the games play, Park. In exchange, you know people will be coming after Erwolf. That's just how the game works. And that five-minute scene at the end sets up the series. Archangel also returns Hawk's art. Again, that didn't get any payoff because it was cut from this direct-to-DVD version. And the television movie ends with Hawk playing his cello again on the, uh, the landing jetty in front of the cabin. And the eagle finally comes to land in front of him establishing that he has gained the eagle's trust and the episode ends with him sat and shedding a few tears over the death of Gabrielle I can understand why they cut those scenes for this director DVD version because obviously they wanted to make it a standalone movie and it works as a standalone movie it just means that there's a couple of elements that Belisario set up in the writing of the film that don't get paid off in this version um, I don't think either version is better or worse than the other one. Obviously, the television version sets up the series, which is not the point of a direct-to-DVD movie. This was billed as a the movie, and that's how it was marketed. And 
as a standalone film it kind of works but if you know it was a television series those bits are missed and it is nice to see them when you uh, when you get to see them when the show is rerun or if you bought it on uh, DVD it has been released on complete series Blu-ray over here um, and in across Europe I don't think it's got an American release implying that Erwolf is popular more popular sorry in uh, the UK Europe and Asia but Asia especially do like stuff like this with toys you know like the which Yeowulf is it's a high tech piece of equipment and the, uh, the Asian Japanese audience are into that a lot of anime focuses on on that and uh, mecha I think it's called you know robots and stuff so that maybe explain why it's popular we're back at the menu which is just playing the Gabrielle's theme over and over as the film has now ended and there you go. That was a commentary on Erwolf, the movie, or pretty much the pilot film. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Because I do love Erwolf. Got a little bit of a soft spot for Erwolf. I will be back with another Palace of Glittering Delights at some point in the very near future. I do not know what that episode will be. I've got a couple that I'm working on at the minute, and the beauty about this is I can release them when I want. And I can also change the order of episodes if that's the way things go. Goodbye.